Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that outpouring. Thank you for that infilling. Continue to cause us to recognize that through the new birth, through what Jesus did for us, as we open up our heart, you desire to fill us to the full. Your desire is that we be full, filled in life, fully filled with all that you are and all that you have. That wherever we go, we exude the presence of God. That through all that you have bestowed upon us, our life has become generous in the overflow. That through that we're able to share, not withhold, feeling like we don't have enough. But we know that you're more than enough. That you've met our every need according to your riches in glory. That your very life and your very nature is on the inside of us. To lead us, to guide us, to strengthen us. So we have more than enough to reach out, to pour out, to give to others of the very life that you have given to us. So for that we're so thankful. We're so grateful. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Work in our hearts and our lives. Continue to cause us to understand how we partake of you, to stay full in such a manner that we're ready to move with you at any occasion. Father, I thank you right now on this campus that you are anointing ministers in children's church to teach them, to impart to them words of life, to pray with them and bring anointing upon their life, to strengthen them, to know you, to bring a revelation of who you are, that our young children would come to know you intimately and personally, that the word would be deposited in their heart, that they wouldn't just be there for a session, but there will be things supernaturally being uh, imparted to their life. I thank you, Lord, for what you'll do when the youth are being taught, that the utterance that comes to the teacher will have supernatural penetration and influence into their spirit man to equip them and strengthen them for the week that is ahead of them that they wouldn't uh, be tossed to and fro and swayed by the course of every day but they know who they are and they'll stand firm knowing that there's others with them that there is a move about them right now to set a, a pace and to be the light to the world that they live in Father, I thank you right here. You give us utterance to speak as we ought to speak. That we truly might see more clearly the life of the Spirit that you have ordained for us to live in. That truly we as a people would rise up and shine as that light in the midst of darkness. That we would have influence on those who don't know you. That many, many lives would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. As a result of us being together today grant unto us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light that we might know the expectation of your calling upon us individually and as a church that we might see and know the exceeding riches of your glory for us as saints i thank you that we'll see the exceeding greatness of your power that you release towards us who believe that same miracle working power that raised Christ from the dead. The same authoritative power that seated him far above principality, power, might, and dominion. That we would know that you are our head. We are your body, the church of the living God. We thank you for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good evening, church. How are you this evening? Praise the Lord. It's great to be with you all. Why don't you greet five or six people around you? Tell them that you're glad that they're here. Youth, you can be dismissed. Praise God. Great uh, to be with you. I'm glad that you're here tonight. I believe God has some stuff for us. How many of you believe God has some things for you?
Amen. It may sound like the same voice, you know, sometimes, boy, we're going to go hear the guest and expect because uh, we know Pastor Mark. But uh, God, you know, Paul commended the church, said, uh, you've received it is as it is in truth, not the words of men, but the word of God. And uh, when we allow God to speak to us, you know, certainly John Osteen started it. Uh, um, Joel has carried it out. But, you know, he just had him confess, this is my Bible. This is God speaking to me. When I know it's God speaking to me, I can have whatever it says I can have. I can be whatever God says I can be. I can do whatever God says I can do, right? Uh, uh, all the things that God has said, right? But we easily translate it into just people. We, we, we can bring it into something that's just natural. And certainly we're here in the natural. But in the midst of things that are natural, God is doing something uh, spiritual, in the midst of just the temporary right now, today, 24-hour period of time, God's working something eternal. God's working the beginning from the end. We're just hoping sometimes to just get relief today. And God wants you to experience that. But if that's all we get, we're going from distress to distress. We're going from trouble to trouble. We're going from anxiety to anxiety. We're going from moment to moment and then we just need help. But God wants to take us from faith to faith and from glory to glory. He wants to do it not just by the natural things that people can do to make us feel good, but he wants to do it by the Spirit of God. He wants to work something eternal in the midst of our natural life. And so he doesn't rule it out. We're not trying to rule out the day-to-day -day relationships and fellowships and even the day-to-day -day hardships that come upon us. But if we just start to focus on the day-to-day -day hardships and the circumstances, it's easy to miss the eternal that God is doing, right? And that's what the enemy wants to do. If I can trap you in the day-to-day, -day, how do I feel today? I can keep you from seeing the eternal progress that's being made. Amen. And so, you know, it's just like when, when kids are growing up, right? When you look in the mirror every day, you can get caught into it doesn't look like anything's changing. But if you're giving attention to God, somebody's going to run into you that hasn't seen you for a year or so and say, man, what is it about you? What do you mean, what is it about me? Well, you just seem different. Sometimes they'll say, hopefully they won't say you're angry or you're more bitter, right? They'll just say, you seem to be a little bit lighter. You seem to be a little bit happier. Well, you didn't know that because you look at you every day. You know, it's like kids. If you're a parent of a kid every day, but you know, if grandma and grandpa haven't seen them for a year, they, the first thing they go, oh my gosh, you're getting so big. But as a parent, you're like, they're just as big as they were yesterday. Right, it's not until you look back and go, wow. Or, you know, they hit a growth spurt and you're like, dear Lord, we've been buying clothes just like crazy because they're growing out of them. But generally speaking, day to day, you're not seeing that much change. And so if we're not careful, we keep thinking nothing is changing. But if we're yielding to God and the word of God, you are being changed. If the Holy Spirit is actually Lord of our lives, he is working and creating change in you from glory to glory. He's taken us from faith to faith, right? The only one that stops that is us, not God. God's always working something eternal. But the enemy, he'll come and say, yeah, it ain't working for you. Look in the mirror. Nothing's changing. And that's where we have to look into the mirror and say, man, I'm beholding with unveiled face the glory of the Lord. I'm seeing myself in what Jesus has done. I'm seeing myself right here as redeemed, as healed, as set free. I'm seeing myself as restored to the things that God had for me. Even though life broke some things apart, I see restoration in what Jesus has done, and now hope comes. Expectation of something different. Amen. And so when we look into that, we don't want to just get caught in the day-to-day. -day. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to uh, just, you know, some of you were here this morning, some not. We're, we're, we have an opportunity in front of us for a missions trip to the Middle East.
And so there's some details that, that you'll have to find out uh, uh, you know, through uh, just sharing interest with that. But it's going to be a great time of ministry. And then after our time of ministry, we, uh, it's been made available to us to do a tour of the seven churches of Revelation. Amen. And so uh, uh, the thing about that is, is, is it costs, you know, don't quote me on these costs. I'm shooting ballpark figures at you. But uh, it costs tw- about $2,300 uh, to go on just the ministry. What? Okay, 27 I was just, okay. 27 uh, So that's the ministry part. And then just $500 more for the seven churches tour. But if you were just going to go on the seven churches tour, it would cost you over $3,000. So we get the chance to go on ministry and then add that for just a little bit more. And so it'll be great. Uh, The team uh, is like 8 to 10. So if you're really interested, go ahead and sign up. Uh, Again, uh, those costs are are out there. And and so, uh, yeah, it's just a great opportunity. Uh, I'm going to lead the trip. I'm excited to go and to see what God's going to do. I believe we're going to see some miracles and it's on the app under the register tile Middle East uh, missions trip. And so you can look that up. It'll give you some more detail right there. And uh, as we get interest, then we'll look and see as we get the right amount of people. And then if we get too many people, unfortunately, then we'll have to, to see uh, who's most available and can go. Amen. But it'll be an exciting time. And um, praise the Lord. Uh, if you remember, how many of you remember the... Uh, Paredes, who were here uh, last year. Amen. And so uh, they're leading that trip. We're going to go with them. So it's going to be an exciting, an exciting time. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you weren't here this morning, weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity to give. Uh, If you're giving by cash or or debit or credit card, raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. Um, If you're giving by text, uh, the number's up there. Um, If you're giving, uh, if watching us online, you can go on to our website and to find the giving button and participate with us. We're always thankful for your generosity. Praise the Lord. I believe that your generosity, right? We've had, uh, uh, I haven't got a report today, but week after week, our team that's going into the jail is seeing people rededicate their life and be born again. Praise the Lord. Amen. And so we're thankful for that ministry. And so uh, uh, as, you know, they receive Jesus and they're like, thank you, God, uh, that word becomes true, that your generosity has brought thanksgiving to God through you uh, because of your generosity in the ministry. Tuesday night when people are at the extended table eating and just going, thank God that there was a meal to eat today, your generosity, right, is bringing thanksgiving to God, right? People around the world, who are, uh, you know, looking at people in Nepal right now, which, by the way, praise the Lord, I was going to say this this morning, we took up an offering. Every single student that needed to be sponsored is sponsored. Amen. So your generosity, I guarantee you, there's 15 uh, students in Nepal that that were excited about following God in Bible school that are thanking God right now, and it's going up to God. Thank you, Jesus, but because of your generosity. And so it always doesn't have to impact you in a great way. Generosity will always impact you. But as we're generous, God is glorified. And when God's glorified because people's lives are affected, it's a sweet aroma to God, our generosity. Amen? And so we're always thankful for that, believing with you that every need is met, that God is supplying for your life that which you need to be fulfilled, and not just that, be fully filled to the point of generosity, just as his word says. Amen? Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we have to give. What a great pleasure it is and what a a place that we acknowledge the covenant that we have with you. That in the blood of Jesus, as we've been joined by covenant, everything of our life belongs to you. And everything you have belongs to us. And so we acknowledge that from a financial perspective in our giving that we have a covenant with you. That it's yours anyway. We bring it to you. At every opportunity we give that your kingdom might go forth, knowing that you have said you'll open up heaven and pour out from your resource all that we have need of. 
So I thank you, Father, for that heart of giving in this people. And we declare the word of God over each and every one of them, that you supply their every need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can go ahead and pass those buckets. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If you'll open your Bibles with me, um, let's just jump over to 1 Corinthians in chapter 13 real quick. 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, we have uh, spent just a couple of weeks now on uh, Sunday night, Sunday morning, uh, a word of God came uh, forth. Uh, you know, I really wasn't expecting it. That's the wonderful thing about God, gifts of the Spirit just came forth really uh, stirring something about the spirit within, that many times people are looking for spiritual movement out here. And in the day that we live in, it's so easy to say, God, when are you going to do something out here? But God didn't really say, although there's going to be some things out here for some people, right? I believe what comes out here for the sinner, for the lost, comes from out here through somewhere, right? So what are you looking? Well, we're certainly we're going to experience and have experienced just not a long time ago, we had a worship service Sunday night. When we were here, I, I mean, I remember it vividly. I can't tell you exactly when it was because it, it's, it's so vivid. seems sooner. Somebody would probably say, that wasn't just recently. That was like a year ago. Uh, that's usually how it works for me. I'm just, that was recent. No, that wasn't. That was a long time ago. But I remember the platform being up here, worship ending, you know, kind of coming down like it, it does normally, beginning to pray. And man, just the presence of God, just so heavy, just to where we were kneeling. And I knelt down by the uh, next to the podium and the, the presence of God's just sweet. Nobody's saying anything. It's just, and you know, it comes to a point where you just think, oh, okay. So, you know, I'd stand up and just think, okay, we're going to move on with the service. And boy, it just come in heavy again. Just kneel down, let God do what God's doing. That happened three or four times until the service is just over. Right? And so a lot of people like that. God was here and you didn't even get to preach. Well, that's good. I like that. Right? I like that as much as you do. I don't have to preach. But the word of God is powerful, right? And so sometimes we're looking for something out here and, and the anointing. And, you know, many have said, you know, we have to be just a little bit careful. We don't want to do away with it. But the anointing will take you places your character can't keep you. So God's working not just to anoint you for things, but he's also developing something so that when the anointing is moving and we're ministering, there is a character that carries that on. That the, the, the time in the anointing doesn't look so much different than we're living normal life. Somehow they meet together. Amen. And so that's where really there's a powerful explosion, right? And, and I, I believe in the word it came out like this, the spirit within, to focus on the spirit within more than the spirit upon. But when we understand there's some scripture that talk about the spirit coming upon us. But when the spirit upon meets the spirit within Miracle working power. But if the spirit of, comes upon us, sometimes it'll move us in a direction, but it's really not affecting us and even others in the way that God has intended. It has a sometimes a momentary impact, sometimes a long-term impact, but we're looking for something that is really sustainable, something that, that works. And so there's different things that go on, and it's hard, again, when we get into some things that are, are really a little bit more expansive and eternal, it's hard to explain. You know, we're talking about the church. It would seem easy, the body of Christ, to explain a little bit. But it's so complex, not that we wouldn't understand it, but that we have to depend upon the Holy Spirit to teach us about the church, the, the building, the, the body, the bride, right? All those aspects in different facets. So the Holy Spirit, you're, well, it, which is it? Is the church the bride of Christ? Is the church the family of God? Is the church the building of God? Is the church the body of Christ? All of the above. Well, why couldn't God just make it simple and give us one analogy? Because you'd miss it on some front. And then you'd figure it out and you'd just depend on you when he says, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than figuring out. The Holy Spirit wants to show us and lead us and teach us some things that we've not yet known. He wants to show us some things that we've not yet seen. He wants to move us in areas that we've not yet moved in. He wants to walk with us and have a co-labership with us. 
Amen. And so sometimes we're like, I just want you to do it. I don't want to do it. And he's like, I don't want to do it without you. And then sometimes we're like, okay, I'll just do it. And we leave him out. He says, I want to have a co-laborship with you. Amen. And so as we got into that, you know, I began to say, wow, that came out and, and, and impressed us to talk about it just a little bit. Um, and so I started thinking about that. Well, you know, we believe in the anointing and the spirit upon. We want, we want to see more. We want to see more manifestations of the spirit take place. So uh, you're going to have to help me a little bit. And so as I, I was praying, looking at that, then uh, he just said, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And so we look at it. We'll just start here in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Right? So though I, I may have the spirit upon me to speak at any given time, right, which we hope, we hope any utterance, right? What's he talking about there? He's talking about three of the manifestations of the spirit or nine gifts of the spirit are vocal. They're vocal. So he said, though I'm speaking with the tongues of men or of angels by the spirit upon or unction of the spirit, if I don't have love in my heart, it's just noise. He said, though I have the faith that I could move mountains and though I understand all mysteries and prof I have the gift of prophecy, I could even move mountains with my faith. If I don't have love, I'm really nothing. He said, listen, you can get to the point where the Spirit of God is, is those manifestations, the Spirit of God, and you can tell a mountain to move. You can tell somebody, I understand this. You can prophesy and say, I, I, you know, let's just set up three tabernacles. I've really got a ministry of prophecy here. He says, but without love, you're really not who you think you are. Then he says, you know, though I give all my goods to feed the poor and I give my body to be burned, without love, it benefits me nothing to sow my life into things if it's not with love. So right there we just see, well, where does love come from? Love comes from the spirit within. Romans chapter 5, the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So we see that the spirit within us is very important. Not doing away with, don't misunderstand me, and I hope you know, we'll, we'll see a little bit as we go, but, but don't understand me. The spirit, uh, as we call it, the anointing, what comes upon us, things that come from the outside are very important. They'll be very important in reaching the lost. They'll be very important in reaching the lost. Right, because they don't know there's not the spirit within the lost. So they're going to have to have manifestations out here to see God, to say, that's real. Wow. How'd that happen? Where'd that come from? From God. And they turn to God. So for us, it'll be important in the encouragement and the things that God says by the unction and manifestation of the Spirit. But I believe that he wants to manifest outside, but the outward manifestation comes from an inward strengthening and an inward knowing from the believer. Okay, so you're with me. And so in Proverbs, the 18th chapter, God has really been put this in my heart. And, and you know, I've, I've, I'm trying to cultivate it more and more. It seems very simple, but it's not. If it was simple, we'd all be doing it. You know, sometimes when people say, oh, Christian, Christianity's just a crutch. You're just leaning on stuff. I'm saying, come on over. Just figure this one out. Oh, it's just, no, come over. It's a life that we live. And it's got its challenges, Right? And if it was so easy, you would be doing it. Giving place to the flesh is easy. Living by the Spirit of God is not that easy. Because if it was, everybody would be doing it. But God says, no, it's not easy, but it's incredibly valuable. Changing your whole life. It's not easy, but it's beneficial. Not just for us but for those that we'll come in contact with. Amen. And so in Proverbs 18, 14, the Amplified Bible says it's the strong spirit of a man that sustains him in bodily harm and trouble. 
but a weak spirit who can bear. In other words, if we're weak spiritually, we know by the word of God, by prophetic word, Paul said in the last of the last days, he was writing Timothy at the church at Ephesus, and he said as a, 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 to a pastor, uh, Timothy, he said, in the last of the last days, troublesome times will come, or not just troublesome in the sense of, oh, that's a little troublesome. No, he said, difficult times that will be hard to even bear will come. And he said that they will come because people will be lovers of themselves. They'll be boasters. They'll be proud. They'll be blasphemers. They'll be lovers of money. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Does that sound like anything that might be around us? And he says, the things of God don't come out of that. Trouble comes out of that. And believers are going to be in the midst of that trouble, and a weak spirit cannot bear it. Just in the last couple of years, have you felt, even as a believer, you don't have to raise your hand, but like, I don't know if I can bear any more of this. The way people are acting, the things that are going on, the news. What is going on, God? I don't even, I don't know if I can bear this. Well, God says, I've equipped you to bear it. Because this Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. But a weak spirit who can bear the trouble that comes. That bodily harm, uh, other translations say, in sickness and trouble. So a strong spirit helps us when sickness tries to attack our, our life. Not just trouble. So it's a strong spirit. Paul prayed for the church at uh, um, uh, Colossians. Uh, Colossians 1 verse 9, he prayed for them. He said, I pray that you'd be filled with the knowledge of God's will, with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, right? Being fruitful in every good work, strengthened with mighty power. For what? For patience and long-suffering with joy. So Paul prayed, there's a strength of the Holy Spirit that's developing something in you for the will of God. Huh? He prayed for the church at Ephesus. He said, I pray, I bow my knee, but Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'd be strengthened with might by his spirit in your inner man. So there's something that Paul knew about the strength of the Spirit within us. The strength of the Spirit within us. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. Paul says this. He says... Uh, the mystery, just jumping in here, well, the mystery has been hidden from the ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, who's that? The saints. That would be you and I. The saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. Somebody say Christ in me. Come on, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. You're no longer outside. God's no longer far off from you. You're no longer a foreigner and a stranger from God as, as it was for the Gentiles. There was the Jews. They were the people of God. But through Jesus Christ, he said, this is the mystery. This is what God has been working since the fall of Adam. Is He said, listen, when I walk with Adam and Eve, there was this place. But now there's a place that I'm bringing all men through. And I made a covenant with the, the nation of Israel. But I made that covenant that through them, and through that access, I was coming to all men. 
And the mystery that the enemy did not know, had he known, he never would have crucified the Lord of glory. And that was through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He would make life, resurrection life, available to all men. That they would no longer be foreigners and strangers, but God, by his spirit, would come to live on the inside of man. Not just be with him and accompany him. Not just be afar off, waiting for them to die and come to be with him. He said, I'm coming, not just to be with you but I'm going to be in you and that's your expectation of my glory being seen come on there's no reason for us to wait for something to happen on the outside something's happening on the inside he's working in you he's working in me and it was a mystery it was a head scratcher what's going on here religion is always scratching its head about this thing, about the righteousness of God, about Christ, God in you and God in me. They're like, wait a minute, you can't say you're, uh, uh, you know, like God and God's in you and you have this righteousness. No, there's none righteous, no, not one. Well, then you can't speak to that because it just goes on to say there's nobody who has knowledge. No, he's talking about our condition in Adam. When he finishes talking about that, then he says, but us. Jesus came to bring a new creation. Though all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are under the condition of Adam's disobedience, I brought Jesus Christ that you might be born again and take on the Christ condition. Come on. So it's a, it's a powerful, powerful thing. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <laughs> Glory to God. Verse 7. I love this scripture. Paul speaking here, speaking of some things, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. I was reading that this afternoon again. I was meditating on it this afternoon again. And then I was just reminded of this. If you've been here for a long time, you know this. I say this all the time. But my kids were growing up. And we were watching Aladdin, you know, and, and, and that was when it was an, a live thing. It was a cartoon. And so uh, when the blue genie's up and he's telling Aladdin he can't wait to get out of the lamp and, and, and Aladdin can't figure that one out. He says, well, why do you want to get free from the lamp? And he blows up all this cosmic power. He goes into the lamp in this itty bit living space. And I'm sitting there watching that with my kids, and the Holy Ghost says, and that's how it is with you. I'm like, huh? He said, you're always longing to get out of this tent, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You're always longing to get out of this, this mortal tent. You're longing for something immortal, eternal in the heavens. He said, because right now you have all this power that created the heavens and the earth. In this itty bitty living space. It's so tough for us to comprehend that many times because we can't comprehend it, we can't grasp it, we ignore it. But as believers, we have creative power and resurrection power not coming from the outside, but in us. And Paul said that, he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. All of this God stuff in this itty-bitty space, earthen vessel, that the power, it might be known that the power is not of us, it's of God. What power? Though we're hard-pressed on every side, we're not crushed. It may seem like everything's pressing in on you just to squash you. But when you know the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you, there's more pressing out than pressing in. Come on, it'll be known that there's a treasure in you when all that pressure comes and you're still standing, you're still rejoicing, you still have peace because the power is pushing out and it cannot crush you. He said, though we're in dismay, we, we, we don't understand everything, we're not perplexed. Why? Because we know God. 
does. And we know the God who knows everything, the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, lives on the inside of me to lead and to guide me. So though I might be in dismay, I am not perplexed. And though I'm persecuted, it seems like nobody loves me and everybody hates me. Come on, I'm not forsaken. Because I know the one who cut a covenant with me. And he said, I will never, ever, ever leave you. And I will never, ever, 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 ever forsake you. Whoo! Other people might. Well, I can't take it. People have forsaken me. He's never forsaken you. Why are you leaving him? Because some Christian forsook you. He never forsook you. Come on, that's how the devil just tries to mess us up, get us out here. I don't feel like it. People have done me wrong. He's never done you wrong. Well, his people. Wait a minute. Not all his people. And not him. And you's one of his people. If Christ is in you. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Now, I'm not just trying to preach real good. I really want you to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. I believe he is doing exactly what he said in his word to do. That if we'll look at these scriptures and begin to see ourselves, to see, wow, Christ does dwell in me. That means there's a treasure in here. There's a strength in here to ward off what comes against me. That my hope doesn't come from just a, 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 an unfounded expectation, but my hope comes from Christ that's in me by the Holy Spirit of God. So when the enemy tries to dash your hope, you're like, no. And I'm not ashamed of the hope that I have because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. And though you come against me, though people come against me, I'll not fear what man will do to me. God is on my side. Right? Because I desire to do what Jesus has given me to do. He said, I will sin if you'll do my commandments, if you'll love me and do things the way that I have instructed you to do them. I know that it's going to be difficult, so I'm going to send you the helper. And the helper will abide with you forever. And the world won't know him. They can't know him until they're acquainted with him through you. But you'll know him, and you do know him, because he's been with you as I've been with you. But he's no longer just going to be with you as I'm with you. He's going to be in you. And so when you feel like nobody's around, don't do that. Well, I feel alone. Don't do that. Say, I'm never alone. I'm never alone. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. When I feel weak, because things have been rough. No. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because I recognize, man, I've been trying to do this myself. Why? When I got the Holy Spirit in me. The Spirit of grace is in me. All right. Verse 9. He says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised up Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells within you. Therefore, brethren, we are not debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Come on, we don't owe our flesh. We don't owe the old nature anything. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All right, so what does he say there? We're trying so hard. That sin consciousness comes on us, and we're like, I'm trying so hard not to be mean. I'm trying so hard not to say that thing. He said, listen, stop trying so hard. The Spirit of God dwells within you. And he said, the body, now that you've accepted Jesus, the old flesh nature is dead 
because of sin. Oh no, what am I going to do? If, if all that's dead now, if it's not a part of my life, what am I going to do? He says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken now your mortal body. He'll quicken your temporal living. He will. He will put to death the deeds of the flesh. So I say, I'm, I'm dead to that. I'm alive to God. And the Holy Spirit, by his strength, we're not doing that no more. Well, what if I want to? You won't want to if you give more attention to me than that. But see, we, we, it's hard to comprehend all of this resurrection life, this creative power in me. I feel wimpy. I feel inadequate. People don't even talk to me very nice. And that's all a strategy of the enemy, that we start looking at people, and we look at people taking care of it. But all of a sudden, if you just stop and say, what difference does that make? The Spirit of God lives in me. And he's doing something right now. Come on. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, if we let him, he's doing something. He's changing things. He's moving things. He's doing God's good pleasure in you and in me. Come on. So when you're just going, the enemy's like, come on, these people. You're just like, man, I'm one of them people. And the spirit of God lives in us. And he's not finished with me yet. This, you haven't yet begun to see. If we give place to the Spirit of God in this generation, you have not yet begun to see the strength and the power and the manifestation of the Spirit of God. It'll blow your mind. It'll be beyond what you've ever hoped, asked, thought, or dreamed. And the devil knows that. That's why he's trying to lock us up in some stuff. He's trying to lock us up in some emotional things and some temporal things and some physical things and some emotional, mental lockups. And he's like, just let me set you free. Let me put those things to death. Let me just put those to rest for you and tell you that the blood of Jesus has already taken care of you. And when you go, okay then, the blood of Jesus has already taken care of it. I don't have to. I just need to step out in this next place. Wait a minute. Don't we just have to take all that and tie it in a nice little bow and finish it? Leave her dead. Let the dead bury the dead. Just say, I'm dead to that. I'm ready for the next thing. Don't have to keep it on life support. Just in case. What if so-and-so comes back? I might need that. No, you don't need that. All right. Praise the Lord. So, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is where we've been. Paul says, don't use your freedom. We know that we're free in Christ. We're not living according to legalism, the law, but we're living according to grace. And grace empowers us to not fall back to sin and the old man, the flesh. And so right here, he's explaining what he told the Roman church in a little different way. He said, listen, the Spirit of God will put to death those deeds of the flesh. So he said, you have a liberty in God that's extraordinary. Only don't use your liberty as an occasion for your flesh. And so then he goes on to explain to us what the, the difference between the flesh and the Spirit is what the flesh and the spirit is. And so in verse 16, he said, if we'll walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the flesh is war against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. Two are contrary to one another. So he, he bookends, he says, if we'll walk in the flesh. And then he says, if you, if you live in the flesh, that, or if you live in the spirit, if you realize now there's a life of the spirit in me, I'm living in cooperation with the Holy Spirit in me, then walk in the spirit. We ended with this last time. I want to pick up right here. Uh, uh, this is a, a Greek scholar writing here about Galatians and uh, he says, thus the exhortation is to the Galatians who have divine life resident in their beings to conduct themselves under the guidance, impulses, and energy of that life, that new life that is in them. 
Praise the Lord. Here we have the free will of the Christian and his responsibility to live the highest type of Christian life. So when we have fellowship with the Spirit of God, that koinonia that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That word communion means this, intimacy, partnership, and responsibility. So he's saying right here, it's our choice now, knowing we have the life of the Spirit, to involve ourselves intimately, partner with him, and take our responsibility in that partnership if we're going to have a close relationship. And our responsibility is this, the responsibility, uh, I better catch up, the responsibility to live the highest type of Christian life and the grace of God which will make that possible. In other words, it's our choice to say, I'll be responsible to rely upon the grace of God to live this new life. The responsibility of the saint is to desire to live a Christ-like life. How many of you desire to live a Christ-like life? All right. Some of you are like, I'm, I think I do. <laughs> but when you go, I do, then the Holy Spirit's like, all right, let's, let's get after it. Yeah. If you're kind of like this, he's like, well, until you're sure, I'm not sure. Because hmm. that's like, I do, but I don't want to do it. He's like, listen, once you do this, I'll change your want to. So it's our responsibility to desire or want to live a Christ-like life, to depend upon the Holy Spirit for the power to live that life. In other words, that's good news. Well, i got to try so hard. It's so hard for me. No, I've decided I want to live that way, and I'm going to depend upon him and his power to bring that life to pass and to step out on faith and live it. So I desire to. Now, Holy Spirit... I'm focusing on you, so let's live it. Thank you for your rousing enthusiasm. Come on, he's just lining it out for us. First of all, well, I want to go to heaven, but I'm not so sure I want to live a Christ-like life. Well, then it ain't going to happen. But when you go, I want it. You're probably like this, but without a doubt, when I've been somewhere and gone, this is the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be left out. Holy Ghost, I don't want to be left out. Just me going, I don't want to be left out. He's like, all right then, get ready. And man, just going, I want to. He's like, are you ready? And then I have to go, all right, I want to. But come on, be easy with me. It's like, no, come on. When you say, I want to, then you got to say, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. Because I'm resting on you and not on me. As you say, I desire, and you rest, and you better hold on. Say, I desire, I'm dependent upon you. Let's live it. As much to do with you as it does with him. But boy, once you say, let's live it, get ready. Come on, get ready, because he's going to start doing some stuff in you. He's going to start doing stuff in me to live it, not to imagine it, not to hope so, maybe so, someday so, hope I'll be like that someday. He'll say, why don't we just get about it today? For the power to live the life and to step out in faith and live that life. This fulfilled, this process fulfilled of living that life will bring all the infinite resources of grace to the aid of the saint. In other words, when I say I want to live this life, I depend upon you to live this life, I'm going to live it. Resources from the grace of God come flooding in. They come to your aid. Like, well, I don't know if I can do this. He says, here's some grace. Get about it. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. I'm not able. He says, here's some grace. Let's just go about it. <laughs> Listen to this. I'm not done yet. And put in operation all the activity of the Spirit in his behalf. 
Come on, he says there's a life that he's teeming on the inside of you, but we're looking for all this work of the Spirit out here without having a change, without having a desire to live the Spirit life, without depending upon him, without stepping out in faith. But when we do, there's a resource, and then the manifestations of the Spirit, whoosh. There's a chain of events. There's a process in God. There's a process in God, not to just see something spectacular, but to experience the spectacular supernatural newness of life. Well, I just want to see some stuff. God says, I want you to see more than you ever dreamed of, but you'll never see it like I see it unless you're living it like I live it. Well, if you're living different than somebody, you see stuff different than they do. Come on, people who don't have much money, they get tired of listening to millionaire talk. But man, if you want to live like a millionaire, you need to get around some millionaires. Why? Because they see different. They talk different. They give different. God says, you want to see life like I see it? Come on. Well, I couldn't do that. He says, that's why I put the spirit, my spirit, in you. Amen. So it's not just when we say, well, the fruit of the spirit, if I want to. He says, no. You'll either live in the flesh or you'll live in the spirit. And if you allow me to produce this life of the spirit, this is where all of this life all the resources of grace, all the manifestations of the Holy Ghost come out of this life, this living and walking in the Spirit. So it's not these, this fruit tree with love and joy and peace on it. It's something being produced by the Spirit of God. And it's singular in its nature. It's not multiple fruit. It's singular in the multifaceted experience of God. Right, we read this morning that that light starts to talk about God's character and how he is, that God is light and he has these certain things that diffuse out of him and one of them is love and love is the primary aspect of this but within this love are the facets of joy and peace and goodness and so on. And so the love of God, we talked about the love of God First of all, last week, my Lord, talked about the love of God last week. So, so lots of times people say, well, you say that, but we don't know what to do about that. So uh, I'm going to give you these things right here. Uh, the Greatest Thing in the World by Henry Drummond. It's about the love of God. Get that book. We have it around here somewhere. Love, The Secret to Success by Mark Hankins. Love, The Way to Victory by Brother Hagin. You want to start increasing your love walk? Understand that? Get these books. Start to meditate on them. We talked about 1 Corinthians, making a checklist. How, how am I growing in the love of God? What do I need to grow in? You have to be very honest with yourself and the Spirit of God, not just, oh, I love people. If you're intense, if you're, you, you take account of a wrong done to it, if you're easily provoked, you're touchy, you're fretful, it's all about you, that's not love. Right? If you're patient and you're kind, well, we all would like to evaluate ourselves that way. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't happen that well. All right, real quick, let's get in. Let's just crack this open. The next thing is joy. Joy. Why is joy so important? Joy is so important as a characteristic of the Spirit of God. Because Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so joy is so amazing in what it, it does for you. It, it, it encompasses your emotion. It encompasses your physical body and spiritually. It encompasses your whole being, what joy will do for you. Isaiah tells us in chapter 12, it says that it's with joy that we draw from the well of salvation. So salvation bought for us everything that we have need of, everything, uh, life, salvation, healing, deliverance, wholeness. And we're like, God, I need to be made whole. 
when is somebody going to help me be whole? <sighs> I mean, so many Christians are like Eeyore. <laughs> He's not full of joy. We need to be Tigger Christians. Come on. Need to do some bouncing. Why? Because it'll strengthen you. I mean, dear Lord, if you thought you'd get on Eeyore and get anywhere fast, you'd be mistaken. He has no energy. He has no life. You want to get everywhere, just get in with Tigger. It's a principle. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's with joy, joy, that we draw from the well of salvation. Come on, we're just happy. God, you provided everything that I have need of in salvation, and I'm happy about that. And so I'm going to draw a little bit of healing. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Ha, ha, ha. And science has proved it. How many belly laughs? Ten. Ten good belly laughs, Dr. Avery told us. Ten good belly laughs brings healing to you. I was reading an article uh, just the other day that you can fake smile, just fake a smile, and it will relax your whole body. See how relaxing that is? Changes everything. So listen to this. It says, uh, this is an article I got. He says, when you feel joyful, you experience changes in your body. Listen to this. Color seems brighter. That's why depressed people, everything seems gray. They call it a gray day. But when you got joy, color seems brighter. Your physical movements feel freer and easier. Smiling happens naturally. I have some physical issues with that. Um, no, I don't. Your brain actually changes. Research has found that your thinking and the attention <laughs> and your attention naturally broadens when you feel joy and other positive emotions, making you a better creative problem solver. I can tell you right now, this generation needs some joy. We're having some trouble with problem solving. <laughs> Come on, in our culture, we're like, we got problems. Somebody solve a problem for us. He said, just get happy, and God will start giving you resources to problem solve. Whenever a problem comes, we're like, oh, problem. Problems, problems. Everybody has some problems. But when we have joy, we're like, I believe we can solve this problem. This will be fun. Let's solve some problems. All right. It makes you more resourceful. And in the long term, it makes you more resilient. All right. So I'm just going to share with you. Let me see if I can find what I wrote down. Uh, six ways to induce joy. Six ways to induce joy. Listen, these are really going to be super practical. They're not going to be spiritual. One way you induce joy is through your senses. Eat something you like. Come on, you're feeling bad? Go have an ice cream. No, it's proven fact. You taste something good, it induces joy. Man, that is good. Come on. Now, that, we're going to get to all five senses because if you only use taste sense you're going to get a little bit unjoyful when you weigh more than you wanted to. But, but really, right, that's why some people end up with food problems because they're trying to get all their joy. They get joy stimulated from food, but they don't know how to spread it out. Right? So it's all your senses, right? So... When you taste something good, it brings joy. When you see something good, it brings joy. When you feel something good, you feel a hug. It brings joy. 
When you smell something good, that aroma of victory. Come on, it just feels good. So when you're like, hmm, man, find something to look at that brings joy. Come on, find something. Hug somebody. Something. Pet your cat. No, your dog. Come on, I'm just being super practical with you, but it has a spiritual, you begin in the, the flesh and all of a sudden something spiritual takes off, right? Seriously. Our little dog, we picked it up yesterday. That dog jumps in my lap. And I just found myself, she jumped in my lap. She started, I'm like, oh, you're so glad to see me. You're so glad. And I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling her fur. I'm, and I, man, joy's just coming all over the place. <laughs> telling you the truth it's scientifically proven that God's right just something I mean if you don't have a pet just go to the store buy a piece of fabric that's kind of furry and just rub it back and forth all right second thing we, we got to get going all right quit distracting me all right there's a joy that comes from growing, right? So find something that you want to learn about and start learning something new, and it will bring joy. Set a goal for yourself, not a goal that's stressful, just a goal, and accomplish it, and it brings joy. In studying of time management, they said make a task list. Every time you check something on the list, it, re it releases endorphins. That's when joy hits you, endorphins are released, and they're healing, and they're vibrant. And so it says, listen, there's things that you can set and say, you know, I'm going to set some growth things, and it will induce joy. Joy is your strength. Number three. There's the joy of awe. In other words, go find something way bigger than you. And go, wow. Wow. I mean, if you have to, just go ahead and go find something and say, uh, um, God, I just want to see some pictures, really good pictures of the Himalayas. I mean, we have some awesome mountains here. When we went to Nepal, uh, they took us out of Kathmandu and took us up just a little bit into the Himalayas. And we went out on the back patio and looked at the Himalayas. And I was like, wow, these are big mountains. I mean, if you come from North Carolina, you come to the Rockies, you're like, wow. But you go from the Rockies to the Himalayas, you're like, wow. Just wake up in the morning. And watch the sunrise. Wow. I mean, I see a lot of you posting pictures, you know, because we have great sunsets here. What happens when you do that? You're like, come here, come here. I got to get my camera. Look at the sunset. You don't even know it. You don't know it. It's inducing joy. You just got to stay with it. What a great sunset. Now you kids, get with it. <laughs> All right, I got to keep moving here. Praise the Lord. All right. The joy of relationship. Come on, truly having a relationship. Part of relationship is like being seen and seeing someone else. Helping someone and being helped. Loving someone and being loved. Instead of saying, eh, uh, I don't think you like me. I don't know. No, find a place where you can go. Somebody says, it's good to see you. It's good to be seen. It's really nice to be seen. And it's good to see you as well. Just try that one time. Instead of this guy going, oh, yeah. somebody says, good to see you. It's good to be seen. Because lots of times we feel like we're not seen. And that bums you out. And even if somebody says, good to see you, you're like, yeah, yeah. So you, have to, you actually have to participate. Somebody says, good to see you. Well, it's good to be seen. And it's good to see you too. You, I mean, you want to give them the same joy. <laughs> All right. The joy of a relationship. Number five. The joy you get from enjoyment. 
In other words, do something you enjoy. Have some amusement. Find something that makes you laugh. Get joy. It'll strengthen you. And lastly, find joy in being you. You ain't as bad as you think you are. God loves you. God paid the price for you. He put extraordinary things in you that the enemy is always causing you to try to dismiss. And because you're dismissing him, all somebody has to do is say something. You're like, see, see. They think I'm worth it. Well, they don't. It's just something you're not really seeing all that God has done and what he's doing in you. But when you see that, you're like, it's just a joy to be me. I mean, we, you get to that place, you'll be like my wife. She can crack herself up. <laughs> it's just a joy to be her. And, you know, there's just something about that. If we all enjoyed being us, you would get joy out of watching people who enjoy themselves. <laughs> we would all be full of joy. Because when she cracks herself up, everybody else cracks up. Yeah. <laughs> right? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. So you say, well, that'll be a little tough. Well, you can do it if you just decide, I'm going to focus on the good things that already exist. I'm not going to just focus on what I don't have, but what I do have. And then you have to just take ordinary, everyday, mundane life and joyify it. Come on, put on some music and dance while you're mopping the floor. Or whatever you're doing. Just make it a little bit more fun, right? And then sometimes, you know, your life is too busy. You just have to create some space to rejoice. And Paul said, rejoice, and again, I say rejoice. He said rejoice all the time. Why? Because joy is your strength, right? So he's producing love in us. He's producing joy. With joy, he's producing strength. With love, that compassion, he's causing us to see the world so much more differently. This stuff starts to work in us, and that whole expression of who God is, what the Spirit of God wants to do, starts to move out and affect people from within us. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you. I believe you're doing tremendous things on the inside of every hearer of your word. Holy Spirit, help them to remember these things, to put them into practice, that we will be doers of this word, not just hearers only. We know and expect that the enemy will challenge us in some way, but we decide today that we desire to live the Christ-like life. We're going to depend upon your help, and then we're just going to be bold enough to live it. We thank you for empowering us in that very direction that very life and we thank you for it in jesus name amen, amen. say as we go what god did in christ jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by adam's fall you can be dismissed make it a great week wow.